see some movement at the takeoff zone. It's Kelly Slater grabbing rail. A clean entry. This thing holding open. It spits. When it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit. Spits him out. Comes out after the spit. Gets spat out of another good-looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, I got well, if that isn't an advertisement for Neat Essentials, I don't know what is. Oh, yeah. Look at me go, bros. Yeah, guy. Yeah, guy. Welcome, everybody. Uh, it's the Spit Podcast. David Lee Scales, Scott Bass with you. We are talking surf each and every week. And uh, it is... Is it Wednesday? Yes. Wednesday, December 30th, the year 2020. Good morning, David. Morning, Scott. You uh, deserve credit in the eyes of the listener because I was trying to get out of this week's podcast. I was trying to pull a vacation, a bye week. I think we deserve it. It's in between Christmas and New Year's. And no, here you are quietly advocating for the listener. Yeah, you know, we can bang out a good show. Um, I have some interesting thoughts and i'm sure you do too we will let listeners know we have a tight one hour today i gotta be done by 8 a.m okay but there's i mean if this show is about surfing there's been so much surfing to be had in the last week or two and uh no wsl or anything like that but plenty of waves in california it looks like that rawson is thoroughly and thickly waxed back there (laughs) yeah it is Pat has made me a number of great boards, and that's one of them. And uh, that's his Impala model, Impala. It's a four fin. We've showed it off before on the show. It's sort of a, it's definitely a go-to. Do you think it's named after the vehicle or the animal? (laughs) I think the vehicle, probably. I think so, too. It'd be a weird, I'd love to hear his explanation if it was based on the animal. (laughs) This is a rhesus monkey. (laughs) uh dude that wax job is insane yeah buddy (laughs) have you ever scraped the wax off of it no maybe before a surf trip or something i probably did i I mean i want to know how many years of wax is it how thick is it and how much how much does it weigh in pounds just the wax or the entire board (laughs) just the wax itself it's the years probably two years and the thickness of the wax not so much maybe an eighth of an inch and then the the weight it's an added half of a pound i think so the experiment should be we get you to scrape that off and show us the size of the wax ball because that thing is going to be monumental yes that would require labor exactly (laughs) You know how, like, we talk about Tom Curran, um, or I mean, other people have done it too, but building footwells into a board to be closer to the water itself. Yeah. You're not any closer to the water, but I feel like you are definitely creating footwells with that much wax. And I can even see them, actually. Like, there's a big heel well right there. Where, here? Yeah, exactly. You know what? That's my rib. Oh, are you? I have a broke. I have an, a, a protruding rib that oh. creates a weird situation in all my boards. It looks like where your heel would go to. You know what? I got to say with this cold water and I've complained before, but I have a real hard time because of the way my foot is mangled finding good booties. And it's not the booty company's fault. 
it's just the mangled foot that I have. And no matter what I wear, my, my big toe is numb. Hmm. And it really bothers me, except for those, you know, I have those um, triathlete socks. Yeah. These neoprene socks for triathletes that I wear that, that do the best job as far as keeping me warm and keeping the toes warm. And anyway. So it's a circulation issue, kind of. Once it gets to a certain is. temperature, you just can't beat it. Yes. I think that's what it is. Um, all right. I want to do more hot wax talk <laughs> what is your policy in general <laughs> i know uh you're looking really hairy scott and i think we need to have a talk okay. now um what is your policy in general i mean i obviously don't like doing the labor either of scraping wax off the surfboard but i do it because i appreciate a fresh wax job and there number one there's a aesthetic i guess to it it just looks better but i do feel like when it gets too thick. I mean, not that I would be able to identify the extra weight, but I do kind of feel almost like I am able to, or like it bogs me down. Yeah, look, there, there's definitely um, sort of a, a, you know, like a, a lazy afternoon type of vibe where it's good to clear the wax, get a new wax job on, get prepared for the, like the big next swell that's coming or whatever. And, and, and I especially remember as a kid, that was a big deal, you know, yeah. like, in fact, I remember <laughs> Doug Silva used to be like the king of the. In fact, I think Doug Silva taught me how to wax a surfboard correctly. <laughs> he was he would just have the most insane beads, and he had a full on plan on how to do it. And, but anyway, um, my you know that's why I bring up booties, right? Because with booties, it's like, dude, you don't even need. You could just surf with a with a waxless board almost, you almost, know. Yeah. And so when booty season comes around the wax gets very dirty and it doesn't, I never apply a new batch. It's just the, the same wax that's been on there for months. And until the booties come off, I don't think the wax comes off. That's true. I think that's kind of my same method too. Now that I think about it. Um, so what is Doug Silva's wax method? Let the oh, listeners shoot. know, how do you get that fine bead? It's just one of those stupid memories that pops up into my head that I just remembered Doug got a brand new board one time and, you know, we were at his house and he was just geeking out. So he had, he had it so perfectly waxed and I don't even recall the method. I just remember how he was into it. So you, <laughs> you, know you don't I mean? implement a method then or do you? I mean, I look at the label, it says <laughs> apply in a circular fashion. So I just do what the label tells me to do and I apply in a circular fashion. Do you Seems go, to work, doesn't it? It looks like it's working good. I mean, it's held on. Let's, yeah, that's true. Uh, do you use base coat? Yes. I do, do you use base? Coat. Do you use top coat? Yes. Okay. I hate top coat. Wow. You mean I'm talking about like that, like <laughs> foo, like foo, or the extra gooey sticky bumps? Yeah, for sure. I'll use that. Really? Yeah. Oh, and God. then, and then Doug would put a comb through it. I mean, it, this thing yeah. would just be, it would just have base coat sticky coat it was bubblegum surf wax okay. i remember and just incredible this was like 1983 or something so i do um base coat and regular like i use sticky bumps i'll use base coat and then regular wax on top of that but that super gooey top coat is too sticky for me and it ends up on my like the type where you like wax it and then it's like stringing in the air afterwards floating away 
that ends up more on my wetsuit and everything else than it does, I think. Oh. It seemed to work for Doug Silva. That guy is probably is a very underrated surfer. Well, I mean, did you hear I don't know if you've ever seen him surf, but that guy surfs so good. And he still does to this day. He's, I mean, he's probably 52 or something. And uh, man, guy rips. And he, he's, he, like I said, I think he was an underrated surfer back in the day. I remember him from back in the day, but did you see how much hype he was getting during the Pipe Masters event? He was coaching. No. Yeah, oh, was he? Yeah, he's coaching. Uh, oh, cool. Certainly one of the girls, and I think some of the guys too on the North Shore. Yeah, I know that's kind of, I think, what he does, but um, he, I mean, he would be a great coach. That guy is super technical and well thought out and, uh, and, and fast, man. That guy and, and buries the rail and just a super good style, too. He's always had just an incredible style. I think it might have been Strider that was kind of hyping him. I forget mm. exactly who, but they were saying a lot of what you're saying. And then additionally, how the guy is just never runs out of energy. Basically he's an animal. It's like, yeah. he's in the water first. He's in the water last. He's surfing more than anybody. He comes in, he's hyped up on shore, just an absolute animal. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's the way I re recall him being. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, dude, the waves have been pumping in California. It has been. And, um, you know, I've been surfing. You've been surfing. We've been surfing. I got super fun waves yesterday. Check this out. Yesterday, so I want to bring this up because I owe somebody an apology. I don't know if they're oh, listening. Oh, yes. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not that bad. I mean, I don't I know. I love but these. Here, so here's the situation. time with Scott. <laughs> oh, my God. Purge all your sins. Just pretend <laughs> that there's like one of those mesh screens in front of us. Yeah. And I will... Uh, Forgive me, I Father, for, yes. for I have sinned. Uh, I don't know if it's a sin, but I just want to get your take on it. Okay. But I guess it is because I feel guilty about it. But anyway, um, so I was surfing yesterday. There was three of us out within, and there was four or five miles of big, meaty beach break between four people, right? Like peaks everywhere, peaks abounding, right? And this guy paddles out and he get, you know, gets, gets out. It was pretty tough to get out. He gets out, he kind of gets his bearings, sits up on his board, looks over at me and just starts paddling towards me. And I'm like, dude, so I paddle away. You know, I, I continue. Then I stop, sit up, he continues to paddle towards me. So I'd like turn my board at him. At this point, he's probably 30 yards away. And I just point my board at him and I'm just staring at him like, dude, we don't need to be together here. There's four miles of good peaks everywhere. And that's just what I'm thinking, right? I'm not saying that. And he like kind of gets the vibe and he like stops, you know? And I'm like, and he's staring at me and I'm staring at him. And I'm like, okay, I think he gets it, you know? And I turn and I sit up on my board and he starts paddling towards me. And so I'm like, what is the deal here? You know, like, I'm just kind of frustrated. I just want to surf a peak by myself so I turn and to go on a wave and he's right in front of me and I have to pull out oh my and, gosh and then I turn and I go look where are you gonna surf like how well I forget exactly what I said but I, I'm like do you, are you just gonna stay there will you just stay there and he's like well, what do you mean I, you know and at first I think he thought I was worried about six feet of distance socially distancing for COVID for sure. 
And I'm like, look, just tell me where you want to surf and I'm going to move away from you. Okay. Like there's miles of beach. And I kind of said it in this tone, which is why I'm apologizing father. This is my, I think I could have been a little bit more. And I thought about it in my head in the water. I probably could have said, Hey, you seem like a nice guy. What's hey. your name? My name's Scott. What's your name? Okay. Oh, my name, you know, and that, this just is where my me, guilt is. My guilt is in my tone towards him because I was just frustrated. Let me interrupt for just a second. Okay. I always try to take the opposite side. I'm anti-Scott just because it makes for better pod. I right. can't be anti-Scott in this scenario. Father is uh, <laughs> advocating, blessing, blessing your decision making and saying, son, you did the right thing in this scenario. You should have been harsh with him. Carry on. Tell your story. I don't know. See, that's where the issue is, really. So anyway, I, I go, hey, look, here's the deal. You know, I'm moving that way. Don't follow me. I'm, there's miles and miles of peaks everywhere. And he, you know, obviously, he, I paddled away before he could even say anything. And, um, but, but again, the, the sin may be, the transgression may be in how I approached this person. Because I feel like there wasn't love and tolerance. I feel like it was like, you know, me, I want to surf by myself, my ego, don't you know, like, you know, there's a lot of bondage of Scott in this, you know what I mean? Okay, and that's fair. You're right. Like, so maybe you, there's a version of that where you wouldn't have even been triggered in the first place by him paddling towards you. Like you were hyped up because the waves were good. You maybe got a couple, you wanted a couple more. And then this guy interrupts your little world that you're living in. Exactly. However, exactly. you gave him a bunch of clues. Uh, number one, he should should know the etiquette of the scenario. So he should paddle out and find his own peak and not paddle right up to you. A. B, you gave him a bunch of clues or cues along the way, and he did not pick any of them up. So your frustration at that point is kind of justified. And I feel like um, that's where a proper shaming is actually serves a purpose where it's yeah. like, it's like, dude, you, there's no other way for this person to learn. I feel in that scenario, you need to let him know like, Hey, dummy, you're wildly out of line. Yeah. See, that's kind of where I'm having problems because the concept of shaming somebody I don't think is, is proper. Let me give you another thought here. Um, as I reflect and excavate this, I think to myself, because I have done this before, by the way, isn't it true that, you know, I've been this, I've been that guy where you paddle out, there's nobody around, there's plenty of peaks everywhere, but you see a guy about 20 yards up and he's on a good bar, you know, right. he's on a good totally. bar and you're, and, sure. and I've been the guy that's like, you know what? I don't give a shit. I'm going up to that good bar, you know, like of the course. selfish. So maybe he had that thought, like, you know what? That guy's onto something. He's got a good bar. We'll share the bar, you know? Yeah. And, but and so, you, you said that there were waves up and down the beach. You there clarified were. that right out of the gates. No, there, and I don't, I, this guy was kind of such a Barney that I don't even yeah. think that process went into his thought, but I have been that guy. Like I have, I, I truly have been the guy that, Hey, I'm going to go up and surf that bar with that guy, even though there's miles of beach. Cause that bar is definitely working. Clearly that happens all. I mean, yeah, any, yeah, that happens all the time. But I think that's the problem is he's, if he was not such a Barney, you guys could actually share waves because there's plenty of waves to go around on that type of a swell. But when he's that much of a Barney, he ends up getting in the way. Like the fact that he happened to be blocking you on the one, the next wave that you spun to go for indicates he just needed a lesson. He needed to learn the etiquette. 
And honestly, I don't fully agree with you that shaming is wrong. Like shaming serves a purpose and does a lot of good and motivates a lot of positivity. Uh, obviously there's people who are vulnerable and feeble and might actually, you know, not learn from it and might be hurt from it. And that's not good. Well, that's sort of a scenario. You had every right, I think, to tell them what's what. Here's my problem with shaming is that, first of all, it makes my session go shitty. Like all of a sudden I feel like shit. Yeah. And I probably should feel like shit. Like my internal conviction meter goes to red because I think there's a better, I think there's a more friendly way to do it. And I didn't do it. And that's why I'm asking for forgiveness, Father. You're forgiven, but I don't think you need to really (laughs) beat yourself up about this one. No, right. Uh, But yeah, if you're feeling like you, obviously I wasn't there to judge it, but if, yeah, if you're feeling like you could have done it more tactfully, then sure. Oh, here's another situation that occurred the other day. I'm at a different spot a well-known spot with lots of surfers and it's a small day. It's two to three feet. We're just having fun. It's a beautiful blue morning. And um, there's stand-up guys out. There's longboarders. There's everybody. And there's a stand-up guy and he's, you know how stand-up guys, they just kind of like continue to move back and forth. They rarely just sit on their board or stand in one place. They kind of have to move just so they don't fall over. And this guy's kind of outside and he starts like, getting closer to us <clears throat> excuse me and he's <clears throat> and you know whatever i'm just you know i don't really give a shit you know what we're just out there it's small it, it's just a playful day but he paddles outside of us then he paddles and he comes between me and a guy who i'm talking to who's about four feet away from me and this guy paddles between us so that his paddle I literally could have grabbed it with my hand. And so I, I kind of snapped a little bit. You what would you say? I forget exactly what I said, but it wasn't me. It was like, dude, how about six feet of space? How about like some consideration here? Like, are you really going to paddle this close to me? It was like that. And what did he say? And he was kind of dumbfounded. He was like, yeah. oh, and I was just like, tell you what, six feet, why don't we just make a six foot rule, to, you know, or whatever. I just was... But again, it was that kind of tone yeah. where it was sort of like paternal or um, just, I was just kind of disgusted that he would paddle between me and this guy. It, that's bizarre. Where, where I could have said, hey, I could have, I think this is all about my tone towards the other guy, where it can be friendlier. I, but you get bizarre. fed up. It's you get so, fed up. Well, it's so bizarre to think if you're having a conversation with somebody that he would paddle in between you. Whether you're on a stand-up paddle or not, if I'm laying down prone paddling, I'll paddle around two guys that are talking. Like, that's just bizarre. Complete yeah. lack of awareness. It, it was. It was weird. And, huh. um, and of course, everyone out there is like, fuck, thank God you said something. Like, you know, right. It's okay. If you're on a sup and you're outside of everyone and you're doing your little circle laps to stay busy, fine. But to be paddling in and amongst us, you yeah, know? that's super weird. So, but again, to, haven't I been that guy before? Haven't I been that I guy? I don't know, I've, have I've, you? I mean, you know, don't put it past me. <laughs> you've been the guy, I'm sure that you've been the guy who's um, oblivious or unaware of a scenario. And no, so, more like didn't care. I'm very, it's very rare that I'm unaware. I'm hyper aware. I'm hypersensitive to then the that's, politics then that, of the lineup. Yeah, so then that's different. 
Because yeah. if you're just zoned out, then that's one thing. But if you're, it seems like that guy's maybe life is all zoned out. You know, like he's just that unaware fully. So here's the good news, right? So after, after the session, I'm in a great mood, had a fun session. It's a beautiful blue warm winter day in California. And I'm leaving and I see the guy. So at this point, I roll down my window, pull up next to him and just go, hey, I just wanted to apologize. I probably shouldn't have used that tone, you know, blah, 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 whatever I said. But, and he's like, and I, first I go, hey, my name's Scott. You know, I just want to say blah, blah, blah. And he goes, oh, cool. Thank you so much for saying that. You, you made my day for, mm. for saying that, you know, and, we, and we, we became friends. So he was stewing on the confrontation. Yes. But now we're friends, which is great, right? Like now I'm like, I look forward to surfing with you again. I said, you know, like, let's go have fun together. You know, and, right. and I meant it. I meant it. I sincerely meant it. Like, let's, let's do this thing together. It'll be good. All's well that ends well. Thank you, Father. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, I think that is a good story because it's better than you, you not saying anything to him. You would have still been stewing, telling that yeah. story. So yeah. you kind of purging the confrontation, him probably learning from it and then getting resolution by the end. It's a complete story all within a short period of time. So I'm fine. Right. You know, a thought though about the previous scenario, um, this is, that has to be like, I'm sure that it's been studied sociologically where people just gravitate towards groups and you hear about it with people standing in line too, Yeah. where yeah. there'll be a line somewhere and people just go stand in it because yeah. they, they, but like There's the store, yeah. the store was open and they could have just gone straight into the store. The line is for something else, but because they see people standing in the line, they just go stand in the line. Yeah. And I've had that happen even where the waves are better at the other peak and that, and that peak is empty. The good waves are empty and everybody's surfing a crappy peak. And I'm just like, wow, those people are stupid. Maybe they're all friends and I, I don't know. So I'll go surf the good peak. And as soon as you get two or three waves, then everybody starts kind of moving and shuffling down there. But there, there's a herd mentality that is very, yeah. very real. And it applies to surfing. I absolutely agree. There, there is a known psychological, uh, I don't know what it is, but it's, it's known, right? Yeah. yeah it, it, I think it, it is it's, herd mentality. It's the idea that when you have an option to go to multiple different restaurants and you see people in one restaurant, you go to the restaurant where people are already at. Totally. And I think in that scenario, there's a very logical explanation. It must be better if people are there, but with waves, it's almost, there's gotta be some lizard brain thing working that maybe is safety in numbers or something like that. Um, but I've seen that exact thing where it's empty. That guy just simply didn't want to surf by himself for whatever reason he saw you and you're a comfort to him. And so that's why he's headed your way. Yeah. But, but I agree. You need to work past the lizard brain and do the right thing. I, yeah, that's what we're trying to do. Um, the WSL it's next stop, David is sunset beach. Can I give a lead into sunset? Sure. Cause it replies or it, uh, relates back to pipeline and then it'll tee us up into sunset. And this was a listener email. Said a quick belated note to tell you how much I deeply appreciate you and Scott's analysis of the women at Pipeline. I was, this is from a listener named Nicole, who's been a longtime listener, by the way. She said, uh, I was so full of mixed emotion over the whole thing. And at the end, I was stunned, kind of left blinking like a deer in the headlights. 
you guys actually picked up on it earlier than I did. It wasn't until Tyler's 5.14 for the two-turn combo wave that it hit me like a brick. I mean, it was as if they were saying, it's okay, little lady. We don't expect you to get barreled out here. And then when it went flat, how could the women not be tempted to just hit the inside and try to bang out a couple of turns for an event win, no less? And Scott dissing Tyler's last wave actually made me belly laugh. A welcome respite from the letdown of the event. The judges need a massive reset after this. I love the idea of scoring closeout barrels higher than turns and airs for that matter. Reward risk-taking and, fingers crossed, performance will follow. Every single woman on the CT should remain planted in Oahu, charging every day until sunset. Sally, I'm talking to you. There's no excuses for anything else. Merry Christmas, Nicole. Wow, great email, Nicole. And I, I am wholeheartedly, obviously we agree, David and I agree. And I guess a lot of people do. I, I saw something on Beach Grit where, or I think it was Beach Grit, it might've been Stab, but um, there was a bunch of commentary about this. I guess this, there was more than just us. There was quite a hullabaloo about what happened with the Women's Pipe event. Or is it the Roxy Pro at Honolulu Bay? Yeah, like, it is. Do, do, do you give Tyler a, a Pipe Masters no. trophy here? No. Do, but does, does the WSL, though, do they officially call this a they Pipe did, Masters they, win? I don't know what they do after the fact, but the day of, they were calling it the Maui Pro presented by Roxy. Yeah. And yeah, so. But yeah, I was kind of surprised to see the internet um, saying the same thing that we were too, because obviously it's a like it's difficult to talk about women surfing and performance not being a lady so talking about it as a man and being critical of it without sounding um i don't know what chauvinistic so or pejorative even so i think uh that what i saw wasn't on beach grid or stab it was actually on kook of the day mm. they were posting tyler wright's um pocket ride and basically saying this is definitely not a barrel. It's barely a pocket ride. And how dare the WSL give like a six point whatever they gave to that. And by and large, the commentary was all um, agreeing with them. Yeah. So I think, I think Nicole kind of, and you nailed it, but Nicole kind of summed it up too, and that there needs to be a massive reset of the judging. Uh, but that does tee us up for sunset. So carry on. Well, um, so January 19th through the 28th is the waiting period for sunset. Um, the women will be surfing with the men. Um, and I, interestingly, I imagine Sunset Beach is seeing more CT surfers, undoubtedly, right? Um, sort of tuning up for the event. Of course. Um, but, but my story really has to, to do more with the next event. You know, like we can talk sunset and we should, and maybe next week we'll do an even deeper dive in it. But this is about the time where if you're a planning logistics guy for this for the WSL, you're thinking about what's going to happen in February. And the tour goes to Steamer Lane in Santa Cruz. And um, it runs February 2nd through the 12th. Does... Santa Cruz even happened based on what we're seeing with hospital beds and ICU beds being almost to capacity in California. Is it too early if you're a WSL logistics guy to be thinking, are we going to have this event without fans? You cannot have a steamer lane event without fans. It's in a friggin' 
residential neighborhood. People walk their dogs there. It's like impossible to not have fandom. So does the WSL at this point, like reach out to Peter Mel or whoever and go, hey, what can we do if we need to amend the tour in February? Can we, can we do an event at say like four miles? or somewhere outside of town, because you're going to have to move it outside of town. David. Uh, as far as I know, the WSL never said that this event was at Steamer Lane. It just says the Santa Cruz Open. Uh, last time I checked anyways. So uh, they, they've, they've mentioned Steamer Lane and some, oh, of, they their, did? And some okay. of their stuff. Yeah. I, would, I mean, and I would argue that it would be at Steamer because every event always has been. Yeah. But yes, I, I agree that... Uh, they could actually do it at better waves. I mean, I mean, here's where it gets delicate is do you want to blow up? Does the WSL want to blow up some of the lesser known spots? You mean because, outside of town? Yeah. 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 Because by the way, there's a lot and yeah. steamer is definitely not the best wave. It's actually not that good of a wave. It's a, and it's a really difficult wave to surf. Yeah. So for a lot of the C tiers, they are going to have a shocker there uh, for the ones who haven't been before. So I think they could, absolutely pick a better wave to do it at but i don't think that goes over well like i don't think anybody would approve of that other than maybe the viewing audience what are your what are the odds right now of steamer lane of the santa cruz event being canceled do you think it's more than likely that it gets canceled or less than likely that it gets canceled right now just based on today and and the the sort of political climate that we're in here in california i think more than but that's what i said about pipeline too so uh, I'm shocked that they were able to pull off pipe and they might be able to pull this off, but I don't, yeah, I don't think the risk far outweighs the reward. I don't think California is the best place to do it. You have, remote, you have remote uh, uh, islands. You could have people on boats. They don't even need to go onto the Island and you can keep them completely quarantined and there's peeling perfect reef break waves at those locations. I totally agree. And, but, but I'll, I'll take it a step back from that. And my thought was they're in Hawaii. Why not just have another event in Hawaii? Right. If they're doing it, why not have an event in Haleiwa? Yeah. When there's actually a West swell instead of, you know, November when there's a lot of North swells. Yeah. So let's just everybody stay there. Now, I, look, I, I'm all for having an event in Santa Cruz. The city of Santa Cruz deserves it. It'll be a fiscal boom. It'll be good for California surfing. All of those things. I'm okay with that. I'm not, you know, like, I'm not here to, to say, let's not do it in Santa Cruz. I'm just here to say, let's look at the big picture. We're all in Hawaii already. For sure. We've, we've got the county and the city. It seems like we've got some of the officials we think in a feeling good about what we're doing. We, that's an assumption on my part, by the way, that might not be the case. But let's pull another film permit and have the event at Haleiwa. It's a great call. And to be honest, I don't know that it is the fiscal boom and all the things that you said anymore anyways for Santa Cruz because a lot of that. Well, what's built... behind having that event on tour? Well, is it that uh, great of a wave? That's a great question. What was behind the decision to add it? This yes. Year? Yeah, that's, that's a great and, question. I mean, was there like a. Was there like a, a heavy desire amongst the competitors no. to, to return to surf steamer lane? No. And there wasn't, I don't think there's some big sponsor. It's not like some Santa Cruz company said, come to town and we'll foot the bill. Right. I it's sponsorless. The yeah. event, it's just the Santa Cruz open, whatever. Well, look, the, the city of Santa Cruz is pretty good about 
um, you know, getting events in their city. So they're, they're definitely pro event because I've done events there and they're great to work with. The city's very helpful. They, they, they want to, you know, make sure that it happens. And again, it's good for business yeah. to have a big event there. It just simply is. So the city might be behind the scenes helping with some, you know, it might not even be straight cash. It might be more like we're going to lift all the parking. Um, we won't have any parking you know, you won't get ticketed. Like, you know, there's a lot they can do. We'll, we'll fast track the permit, blah, blah, blah. I'd be shocked if that's the way that the WSL is picking their world tour stops. If it's not based on waves, if it's not based on how to, you know, elevate performance and all that, it's based on the city's going to help you pull parking permits. Well, it's, I, I'm just saying that's one of the things they can do. Like, they, I know, I, they can, I hear they you. They can give, they can, like the, 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 Hotels can give discounts, like they do that kind of thing. But, but, so let me ask you this, is it, our, our original question was, why did they pick Santa Cruz? And do you think it was because of the legacy? Like the Coldwater Classic does have a lot of legacy. I don't think that's the reason why at all. There, look, the WSL, I think it's clear, and you kind of just touched on it. They're not making global decisions of like, Let's tap into legacy. Let's build, elevate performance. Let's make sure that we're putting the surfers in the best waves in the world and ensuring that the best surfers can perform and elevate this whole thing. I think they're literally at the point where they're making decisions based on what you said. How do we reduce costs? You know, how do we uh, work with cities that are willing to work with us? All that sort of stuff. They're working on a very kind of base level just to make sure that they can survive at this point. I don't think it's uh, the best version of itself. I don't think they're running on all cylinders, fully funded and looking to grow kind of well, exponentially. Look, I, I they mean, just kind of okay. survive. I'm okay with that. I give them a pass because of what's happening. I mean, it's a tough situation. I know I'm trying to pull off events myself. It's a tough environment, man. And so like, I get it. Like let them, let them, work under those conditions let them make decisions based on hey where can we actually pull this off like i'm not going to poo poo them for doing that from a business standpoint it makes sense look it might not be the best version of the world it's not the dream tour they're not at g land i get it but it's a weird year it's a weird year let's give them the benefit of the doubt just to keep the thing going are you okay with that uh again as i said last time those aren't the only two options like fortunes are made during down markets and there's tons of opportunity here. And somebody sent me a uh, longtime listener actually sent me this video that Dana White posted a couple of weeks ago, right before Christmas. And it almost looked like a movie trailer with all the production, but essentially the point of it was while everybody else was having the worst year of their lives and businesses like legacy businesses are going out of business we navigated this and figured out a way how to grow our business faster than it's ever grown before and gain more market share than we've ever gained in a one year period of time. And we did it, something called Fight Island, where we took everybody to an island and all of the sporting audience who couldn't watch baseball, basketball, football, soccer, whatever, they were captive and they all watched our fighting. And now we have way more viewers than we ever had before. We set records. And that's really what you need to look at. In every uh, kind of obstacle or challenge, there is an opportunity. And I think that the WSL, dude, we were painting 
we were drawing the blueprints in March and in April and saying, look, these are opportunities. These are things that you can do. And so it's not just with the benefit of hindsight that we're now able to say what the WSL or whoever else should have done. We were saying it in April and March. And so I, I appreciate what you're saying in that. Sure. Give them a pass, but look, I'm not being critical because I want to be a whine and complain. I'm being critical because we can all do better. They can do better. Jamie O'Brien grew his blog. He continued working. Ben Gravy grew his surfing audience during that time. He kept working. He didn't miss a, a week of publication. You know what I mean? So they could do better is my point. They can navigate this a little more deftly. So regarding Santa Cruz, do you think that at what point, if you're the WSL, do you go, you know what, we need to check in with them and see where the city is and where the hospitals are and where the Governor Newsom is and see if this is actually going to happen. And if not, let's pivot. Let's go to Haleiwa. Let's go to, I'm going to throw a weird one out, which is kind of a wild card. Let's go to Ponape. Ponape is insane this time of year. I mean, you got to have a swell or it's flat, but I mean, that's the case everywhere. Do you want to fly 100 people to Ponape? That seems kind of irresponsible. We're already in Hawaii. Hawaii seems like the logical. I mean, honestly, look, and then they've got two or three months scheduled in Australia, right? Yeah. Uh, for the Australia leg. So you could do two months in Hawaii, two months in Australia, and just kind of uh, abide by all of the CDC and COVID protocols by getting there, quarantining, all that sort of stuff, and then leaving with enough time to go lock down somewhere else. I mean, that seems to make the most sense, but I don't know. I, I mean, I can't answer your question in terms of when do they pull the plug on Santa Cruz because there's actual health and legal considerations that I don't have privy to. I would have guessed, I would guess that they would pull the plug on it, but I would have guessed that about Hawaii as well. So who am I? Yeah. Yeah. But look, Maybe I would have been wise about Hawaii because ultimately they kind of had a disaster there. The event, the event completed, but the fact that uh, they had to shut down the event because the CEO of the WSL and others got COVID is a disaster. There's no yeah. two ways to kind of cut that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and by the way, how does that not alter your course moving forward? You just like brush that one under the rug and go, yeah, well, nobody died. So let's continue onward. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to navigate that one from a PR standpoint. Well, here's, here's an amended sort of a um, boiled down uh, last paragraph from the WSL that, that I found on their website. Because of continually changing conditions in communities around the world, flexibility is going to be a key component of the season after the Santa Cruz Pro. Hmm. The WSL remains steadfast in its commitment to the health and safety of its surfers, staff, and fans, and will make its decisions based on guidance from experts and authorities. I Okay, so another thought. Is Santa Cruz even going to be a good event? Like, let's say everybody goes there, nobody gets COVID, they run the event. Who gives a crap? It's not that great of an event, you know? Even in even in great years, it's not going to compare to pipe. Why don't, or why, well, of course not. It's not pipe. Look, it's or, neither is lowers, but or cloud break or like if. And I'm not. 
we can make the argument for the dream tour again, but well, let's but look at Santa Cruz way. is far from the dream tour. That's, that's what let I'm me, saying. let me give you some pluses about Santa Cruz. The event site itself is an arena. It's a great place for people to line the, <laughs> to line the coast and scream down on your favorite surfer as for they people absolutely, to, for you people can't to be shoulder to shoulder. I'm just saying, you can't yeah, exactly. get closer to the action. I'm That's a benefit the, in a non-COVID year. Okay, I'm just giving you the benefits, right? So they're outside. Doesn't apply the, in 2020 or 2021. Out, you're outside. The wind is blowing. We're socially distant. They're not going to be socially it's, distant. The wave can be and is a high-performance wave. You will see some really great surfing. It's a unique wave. It's a fun wave to watch as an end user. Um, it's a good QS wave. I'm just doing my best because I'm. I mean, I'm pro the one example I you love used this, is that people this. are shoulder to shoulder and not socially distancing. <laughs> just saying, it's a great arena. I like, thought you were actually going for sarcasm there. There's no. great opportunity to cough on each other's faces. <laughs> no, 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 dude, we're outside. The wind is blowing there, and it's blowing to sea. It's a north wind. If they're having the event, it's going to be a north wind. It's going to be blowing out to sea. I'm seeing. I'm seeing not a lot of. Uh, rationale for doing this event all right it's a hard one to argue i don't know how that even got argued and we all kind of looked the other way because we were happy to get uh to have sunset well i i bring it up because i think now's the time to be thinking about a contingency plan for sure if you're if you're a wsl ops guy well and it seems so easy like just let's just pull a permit holly if i waived a permit for holly eva film permit in elo's you know, at a meeting with Elo, and like, I got the permit in my hand. Let's just do Holly Eva. That would seem like, you know what? Good idea. And then you got to make the tough call to the city of Santa Cruz or whoever it is over there and go, hey, man, you know what? But you I've can blame a, it on the governor. I've got a conspiracy theory. Okay. Pat O'Connell is the head of the tours for the WSL. Mm. We need to check his uh, stats when he was on the CT. Did he like crush at Santa Cruz? Was his best result ever at Santa Cruz? There will be a lot of reminiscing about his incredible performances at the lane during that event. He had like a string of seconds and thirds in Santa Cruz. So now he's just been like, one day, I'm going to bring that back on the tour. We're going to bring up early PSAA footage of PT on the microphone. Um, Well, for Sunset, it's another, you said it's time to start thinking about a contingency plan. Yeah it's time to start thinking about your survival league picks. <laughs> I already made my pick, man. Oh, wait. Go Dora. Oh, wait, you're still in it? Oh, oh. no, I'm not, I'm not oh, in it. Sorry. I'm not in it. Oh, man. Um, I was thinking we should – wait, Yago Dora, are you for real? Yes. That's your pick? Yes. Is this the way that I picked Pedersen Crisanto? You're trying to smokescreen everybody? I mean, I've already lost, so I'm, now I'm just going long shot. All right. Well, I think – we should do a long shot pick. Like, look, I, I was saying Patterson Crisanto going into pipe just to throw people into the loser pile, but he ended up making it. And anybody who would have taken my advice, not picking up my sarcasm actually benefited. So I think maybe we should do a long shot pick for every event similar yeah, to that. I agree. Okay. Well, mine's David Silva. This, this, this isn't a QS event. No, he's he's on the CT. Oh, oh I'm sorry. This is a this isn't a UFC fight. He's uh he's currently ranked 17th, right next to, next in between Morgan Sibilic and Connor O'Leary. 
So uh, Morgan yeah. Sibilic versus David Silva sounds like a UFC fight, doesn't it? It totally does. Yeah, I would. I'd put my money on David Silva in that one. But uh, so, I apologize to David. I'm, I, the guy surfs good. I'm just not super uh, tuned into his, you know, what where his strengths are. Did you know who Patterson Crisanto was before I called him? No, but the one guy that did stand out to me, and I don't think he's on the tour, but he he, he got didn't he get through? He must have got through the pipe trials. Is that Miguel Toledo Tadello or yeah Miguel Tadello? That guy was secretly kind of just stealthily pulling it off and made it into the into the main event. Yeah, um, he got injured. I think right before the main event or right before his heat. Maybe he surfed one heat or something. Um, so unfortunately, he's ranked thirty third. But you're right through the trials event, he was looking sharp. Yeah. Um, well, we'll do a deeper dive into sunset the week before the event. We've still got 19 days on that. I do want to talk about the triple crown a little bit. Um, so they're doing the digital triple crown. I think they allowed space for 50 contestants. Mm. Was it 50 or 150? Anyways, you had to, you had to sign up to be a contestant and anybody could, it wasn't just uh, for WSL members, competitors, but um, you submit, a clip essentially and th from three the three different venues sunset pipe and Hollyva, and the judges will score your clips and the surfer with the highest score at the end of the event there's a waiting period and at the end of the waiting period the one with the highest three scores wins i presume it's three scores maybe it's the highest two but at any rate they've started posting on their website triple crown of surfing you can go and actually watch the clips we're still awaiting on scores from all of them. They have a committee that's going to be scoring them. They're all Vans team riders, I think. But um, they will score them, you know, before the end of the event. So you can kind of watch who's where on the rankings. Unfortunately, nothing is scored yet, but the clips are up. There's Billy Kemper submitted a couple. Tori Meister submitted a couple. Coco Ho is the only female surfer that submitted anything. So she's currently in the lead. But it made me realize a couple of things. Good on Tori Meister. I was like, man, Tori Meister, right? The guy has uh, clung on to a surfing career at a time when so many surfers fell off. Like he came up early out of Hawaii, out of the Big Island, sponsored by Billabong, got let go in that 2008 kind of recession. And then O'Neill did a contest in the recession where they were going to give a $50,000 contract to any surfer. I think it was a video-based thing. And Tori, you know, uh, he was one of, let's say, a hundred of surfers at that same level who got let go and thought that they were going to have a career in surfing. He got let go and he did the hard work, got that O'Neill contract, and they've renewed it ever since. And he think he's been with them for five years or so, maybe even more. And it reminded me of how hard of a worker he is. I don't think he's the most talented surfer in the world. I don't think he has the best style. And yet every year he puts together enough clips to stay relevant. He's doing corrupt flips. He's doing full rotations. He's at backdoor getting crazy waves every single year. Or he's off a the Jaws. He surfs at Jaws. Jaws. Yeah. He's, he's, he's kind of got the whole package totally. for not having the whole package. <laughs> exactly. It's impressive. And so when I went onto their website to see like who's uh, – making a play for the triple crown. And I'm like, Oh, of course, Tori has his clips already submitted, you know, and I'm sure he'll replace them with better clips too. Yeah. I'm a big fan of his too. He kind of fits into that 
that, you know, blue collar um, lunch pail, you know, strap on your boots and get to work attitude exactly. that, that you and I appreciate. And um, I'm a big fan of his. I'm glad it's going good for him. And um, as, as I recall, didn't he, wasn't he a spoiler at some pipe events too? Like probably I've, that sounds perfectly right. Yeah. And it's kind of funny though. So he's my Duke of the week, by the way, Tori Meister for that exact thing. But what's funny is um, that you then watch Billy Kemper's clip and you go, Oh crap, Billy, <laughs> Good luck. Billy's stronger. <laughs> Billy's a better surfer and he doesn't have to try very hard. And he kind of smokes Billy doesn't, Tori. He doesn't have the air game that Tori has though. That's true. But I don't know that that matters. I mean, Billy's clip from Holly Eva is him doing wrenching three big Sonny Garcia turns. Oh my God. So. That sounds insane. I mean, you know what else is really good um, is the wave of the winter, the O'Neill Surfline wave of the winter things. Have you seen those on YouTube? I've been watching they, them. They, they kind of run in success. Oh my God. The Mason Hose back uh, barrel at pipe. It's basically right. all pipe. Obviously, it's going to be all pipe, right? Should it's be. basically all pipe stuff. And it's insane. It's, it's ridiculous. Well, my other thought with the Triple Crown is it heavily favors locals. Like, because it's a free surf clip submission, who's going to get the best waves at pipe? Yeah, the guy that's paddling up to your peak all by yourself, you know, that guy. <laughs> yeah, John John, Mason, yeah. you know, like the Moniz brothers. There's yeah. going to be, if you're uh, Tori, well, I mean, Tori actually can get great waves at backdoor, but for anybody kind of, now, I would, of the pecking order, it's going to be yeah, tough. I would love it if somebody like Mikey Bruno won it. You know, like some some guy that's been grinding forever out there and um, just kind of blows your mind. You know, like let's try to think of some guys like that who could who could pull it off. You know, Flynn like Novak. Yes, exactly. Those Look, kind of level guys. Mikey Bruno uh, could get – he could win the wave of the winner and he could win the pipe uh, portion of the Vans Triple Crown but he's not going to go put in hours at Holly Eva or sunset. You'd be surprised. I don't know. I agree. I know he's, he's very pipe centric, but um, I think you'd be surprised. Yeah. Well, if he goes, puts time in there, he's not going to beat Billy Kemper's clip at Holly Eva or Jack Robinson's. At is sunset. That, is, so I don't know how the judging works. So do you have to beat a clip at Holly Eva and you have to be the top clip at pipe and you have to be the top clip at sunset? Or I think it's accumulation of your three scores. So it's oh, based on a 10 point scoring system right. that we're used to so you get 10 point up to 10 points at each of the three venues for a potential of a 30 but that's what i'm not sure maybe they take your top two scores like they would in a contest yeah I, I honestly i think it's top three top three scores from each event site from each location top score from each site oh, so a total okay. of three three okay mm. so ever as the cumulative best score i mean you could get a 10 at pipe and a 10 at sunset and get 20 points and maybe win that way. Can you imagine the drama if say you're at inside sunset and you pull into just the meanest tube of the year and you're like, Oh my God, you know, like let's say you're Billy Kemper or whoever you come in and your video guy missed the wave. Oh, <laughs> oh how would that be? That happens. I bet. It happens in real. I mean, on the North shore, there's 30 cameras. Well, then you got to go around, you got to yeah. go around paying everybody. Hey, did you get the shot? I got a hundred bucks for you. <laughs> Look, if any cameraman on the beach there is worth their weight, they'll be DMing Billy that night and going, Hey yeah. dude, I got your clip and you get five yeah. angles of it. That's true. So, all right, man, I got six minutes until I got to go. What do you got? Um, I think that's kind of all I have. I, I, well then I, let me give you a scenario that I'll let you weigh in on. 
Since you opened up in a confessional to me, I will open up in a confessional to you. I will first say, uh, we owe our sponsors a debt of gratitude. Need essentials. Firstly, you're wearing the jacket, staying cozy. Everybody made fun of you last time for dressing so warmly in your studio. I know. know. It's cold in here. I know. Your studio doubles as a garage. And so it's cold. Cold in the winter, warm in the summer. Uh, And NVS just sent me a new set of fins for that John LaLanne Gemini. Oh, cool. Very cool. Remember, Remember that Gemini I got? Yeah. So John uh, gifted me that when I interviewed him. We just did such a deep dive into the design. And so he's like, dude, I can't let you walk away without like experiencing it. But I didn't have fins for it. So NVS, I was like, here's what the board looks like, which they of course knew what it was because they've seen them in San Diego through the 90s and stuff. But I sent them photos in the dims and they sent me this set of quads, which I got to say, NVS, we talk about um, the quality of the fins. Part of why I love them is just being able to send them my board and them suggest the fin that I need for my board rather than me trying to figure it out on my own. That's the biggest asset for me. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fun that they're as engaged as they yeah. are because I, I get the same, this is the same feedback. They just sent me this this uh, single fin for my, uh, and I wish I had the name of it in front of me, but I think it's the Maku or, anyway, they sent me the single fin for one of my boards, my caster, and these, these cool little side bites, which I'm not sure if I'm gonna use the side bites or not, but I'm pretty I stoked like, on. It matches your beanie. The Apex series. Matches your beanie, dude. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks to NVS and to Need Essentials. Um, I mean, Need Essentials is key at this time. 55 degree water. By the way, before we go, let me say that um, the giant used surfboard uh, swap is happening January 23rd at the Del Mar Fairgrounds in the main parking lot outside in the fresh air. Everybody, of course, is going to have to go, you know, wear a mask for social distancing and, and the protocols for COVID, but it's gonna be a huge used surfboard swap. If you wanna sell your board, just go to boardroomshow.com and there will be a, um, a little registration form so that cool. you can, but it's free to the public and it's free parking. Come on in. Sweet. Um, see, this is what I said, Scott, navigating the year of COVID, figuring out ways to expand. I yes. like it. Yes. Um, okay. So my dilemma that you have three minutes to help me solve. Okay. Lauren and I and the puppy scheduled a little new year's getaway to the central coast leaving right after we record this episode or right after I publish it. And so the goal, the whole idea was like, let's shut down, let's decompress. Let's just, we'll go kind of spend some time outdoors, hiking, that sort of stuff. It's to spend time together is the idea, right? Yes. Yes. Well, then two or three buddies text me and they're like, dude, swell is going to be pumping. Like it's going to, we're going to, let's go here. It's going to be perfect. It's going to be this, this and that. And I'm like, ah, can I pull an audible on Lauren two hours before we leave and be like, Hey, by the way, I'm now bringing a surfboard and a wetsuit. And in the mornings when you're expecting me to be keeping the bed warm, I will be taking the car, which means you're actually now stranded at the Airbnb and leaving you alone, what do I do? Um, 
<laughs> well, a couple things. Uh, what would you do? I, I'm going to be. I do? I'm going to be brutally honest here. You need to set a precedent. Oh, yeah. She needs to know you married a surfer, unless you're not that guy. And this is where you need to look in your own heart. Wow. But if you if you set the precedent then you'll never have a problem for the rest of your relationship. Hmm. Interesting. But don't tell Lauren I said that. <laughs> <laughs> Setting a precedent. Okay. Have you set the precedent already? <sighs> oh, well, maybe unintentionally. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I set the opposite. Set. Maybe I set the opposite precedent unintentionally. Yeah, see, the precedent may have already been set, so you may have already blown it. All right, well, I may end up in a fight in the next 30 minutes, and uh, <laughs> the trip is going to get abandoned. <laughs> so I'll be staying here in Southern California for the next couple of days. Don't, don't end up in a fight. Do the right. self, selfless thing here. I can fix it all with your other advice about giving flowers. Right. Get, this Do is what I've learned from you. Get into a confrontation apologize shortly thereafter become best <laughs> friends afterwards oh my god the gift that keeps on giving wisdom of uh, scott hey happy new year do you have any new year's yeah. resolutions um you know what i haven't really thought about it no think about it and then let's discuss next week i will for sure okay. all right cool my new year's resolution is for scott to have a resolution next week done consider it done sweet okay until next time david adios and aloha your loves like the warmth from the sun and this will be our year took a long time to come don't let go of my hand now the darkness has gone this will be our year took a long time to come and i won't forget the way you helped me up when i was done and i won't forget the way you said darling i love you you gave me faith to go just begun This will be our year Took a long time to come The warmth of your smile Smile for me, little one And this will be our year Took a long time to come You don't have to worry All your worried days And I won't forget the way you said Darling, I love you You gave me faith to go on Now we're there And we've only just begun This will be our year Took a long time to come And this will be our year Took a long time to come